thiscurlytea.com. Hello and welcome to This Curly Tea Podcast, sponsored by me, myself, and my empty purse. This particular podcast is about you. Well, it's about some of the emails I've actually gotten from you guys. And not just emails, but questions that you've posted to the website as well. Now, one particular question that... Now, we're going to jump right into this. One particular question that I got concerning the... um, is concerning the use of sodium lactate in hair care and someone asked me why I don't use or I don't recommend using sodium lactate when it comes to hair care and my answer is that I'm scared (laughs) I'm just I'm a, a little wary of sodium lactate you know, number one, I don't see it in a whole lot of products. If it was so wonderful and so awesome, then that would be the preferred the preferred humectant instead of glycerin. You know what I mean? Number two, the pH to my understanding of sodium lactate is around eight. So it's a little high. Like I once did like this little, you know, this little nothing experiment where I had um, hibiscus tea like I just made regular hibiscus put hibiscus in water and it was bright red and you know how they say hibiscus is hibiscus is telling (laughs) as they say it tells you where your pH may be if it's more basic then the color you'll see will be more blue violet and if it's more acidic then the color you'll see would be super bright red So anyway, I had the hibiscus mix and you know, it's about pH of four or somewhere around there. And I poured just a little of sodium lactate in it and it turned completely clear. Like it didn't turn violet or blue. It was clear. What was that about? I don't know. And I don't want to find out by experimenting and putting that in my hair. So generally the reason why I don't recommend or use sodium lactate in my recipes is uh, because I just don't want to worry about the sodium lactate raising the pH to a point where it'll actually hurt my curls. Now for skin that's you know that's fine that may be fine there's there is uh, some type of research being done right now about sodium lactate and its ability to get rid of dark spots and stuff like that and speaking of, of skin now sodium lactate is supposedly used in products which treat keratosis i hope i'm pronouncing that correctly but keratosis and other very very serious skin issues and then i read somewhere during all this research uh that sodium lactate helps break down keratin which is supposedly great for treating skin problems but guess what keratin is a protein found in hair So is it gonna break down the proteins of your hair? Now, I don't wanna make completely baseless claims here. I don't know. You would have to go and research and find this information for yourself. Like I always say, I can only give advice based on what what I know and what I have personally experimented with. You will have to go out and find this for yourself. But just given that information, I just, I I don't wanna try it. I don't wanna be the guinea pig whose hair is, is falling off and breaking because she put a bunch of sodium lactate in it just to see no now sodium lactate may be completely 100 percent totally harmless 
it may be completely totally harmless for your hair but i ain't gonna be the guinea pig i'm just gonna tell you right now but yeah that's why that's why i don't use sodium lactate in my recipes and i really don't recommend it i really don't if you know something i don't then you know continue to do you if if it's working in your your hair continue to use it but for me my personal decision is not to use it in hair care products so yeah powder versus liquid milks when using them in diy recipes um ever so often i'll use a recipe and i'll call for goat's milk or coconut milk powder now a person had a question as to whether or not it's better to use the liquid version versus the powdered version like the liquid versions come in cans but it's a powder it's more usable in my opinion with that said i use the powder form i think depending on how long you want your mix to last you will use one or the other like if you were making a deep conditioner and you were going to put it all on your hair and you were going to use all of it that day or you only had a little bit more that you were going to freeze and use for the following week then that's fine to use the liquid versions it's fine to get the the milk in the in the big cans and use them if you're going to do a deep conditioner and you're going to use all or most of that milk in a very quick period of time however if and i did a post about this that you can read at curlyt.com if you are going to create a mix that's going to be sitting out on your dresser or in the shower or wherever until you finish using it all up then i personally have had the best success with using powdered milks i don't know maybe there's something to the fact that the powdered milks don't have all the of the the water and the moisture and the bacteria and blah blah yada yada just sitting there waiting to go bad and spoil on you but yeah the the powdered form of the milk it just allows for you to have more flexibility and to last longer in my personal experience now i cannot guarantee that your mix is going to last as long as my mixes do you will have to test that out for yourself but yeah um with the powdered form you can just store it however you need to store it just follow the instructions i just have my powdered goat's milk which is my favorite i just have it sitting with the rest of my ingredients i don't have to worry about trying to refrigerate it or trying to freeze the extra and trying to use it all up and hoping it doesn't spoil i don't have to worry about that with the powdered form you can use as much or as little as you need and it's real quick it's very quick like i posted at the website if if a recipe calls for one or two tablespoons of coconut milk or goat's milk you can just you know dip out what you need put it in your liquid portion mix it and that's it you don't have to worry about what to do with the rest of a big can of coconut milk that you've opened you know what i'm saying and um sometimes milks particularly like cow milk if you're using cow milk, the pH of other things you're adding to your recipe can actually affect whether or not the milk curdles. You know what I'm saying? Like I haven't done extensive research and experimentations with dry cow's milk and liquid cow's milk in any type of recipe. But I do know that there's something, uh, there's something important you need to be paying attention to when you change the pH of certain liquid milks but you know quite frankly the least number of things to worry about 
the better for you and your experimentations. You know what I mean? You shouldn't have to worry about the pH and whether or not it's going to curdle, whether or not blah, blah. No, you shouldn't have to worry about any of that. So the simpler recipes that you can make with certain ingredients, the better. And if it's easier, if the recipes last longer, if it's easier to store, then why not use the powder form? That's what I always use. And I will recommend if you are looking to purchase one of the or the other, please get the powdered form of whatever it is. If that's coconut milk or goat's milk, get the powdered form. It's just easier for you to use. It's easier for you to store, easier for you to add to your DIY recipes. It's something that you don't have to necessarily be so concerned about if you're using the powdered form, form versus this big can of coconut milk, okay, I only needed two tablespoons. Now what do I do with the rest? You know what I mean? So it's a personal preference, definitely. And you can definitely use the liquid milks when you're doing deep conditioners and everything. But yeah, if I'm recommending it, it's powder for me all the way. We will be right back after this quick break. Keep listening for more information. CurlyT.com helps to empower you to create your own hair care and skincare products. So what exactly is Curly Tea? Curly Tea is a website with DIY recipes and valuable information about various ingredients used to make products. Now, I like to use different teas, herbs, oils, emulsifiers, thickeners, and additives to come up with great recipes and various experimentations to care for my naturally curly hair. Now, CurlyTea.com is sponsored by me, myself, and my empty purse, so it's a great idea to become a subscriber at CurlyTea.com, which affords us the opportunity to procure various teas, herbs, oils, additives, emulsifiers, and Ayurvedic ingredients to create those great DIY recipes. And here's a little tip, the CurlyTea.com website subscribers will always get the best and most up-to-date information. Now, there's also a CurlyTea.com podcast you can get through Stitcher Radio for Android users and through iTunes for Apple users. So keep DIYing, guys. The power to create your own hair care products is in your hands. CurlyTea.com now, I also got a question about extracts, in particular, um, slippery elm and marshmallow root extracts. And quite honestly, because I normally use those types of herbs for their mucilage properties, their slippery properties, I don't go for the extracts because I need the slipperiness. I need the, <laughs> I need the thing that makes your curls pop. You know, that's what I'm going for. And I'm not sure. I could be wrong since I've never used the extracts before, but I'm not sure if you'll get that same type of quality from the actual extracts in the dropper bottle versus you taking the actual herb itself and soaking it in hot water. So the very reason for me personally to use the marshmallow root and the slippery elm bark is to get all of that mucilage, all of that thing that gives your recipe slip. 
Now, of course, you can use these herbs to help strengthen your hair, to help make them shiny and other stuff like that. That's if your purpose is to sort of help build and strengthen the hair, then it may be fine for you to use the regular extracts that you buy from the store that's in the little dropper bottles. But for me, the way I typically use it is to add a little slipperiness and to get that goodness of strengthening and, and making your hair shine. So what I do, and particularly uh, for me, in my experimentations, Slippery Elm Bark is bomb. It's just awesome when it comes to mucilage. Now, you will catch it. <laughs> you will catch it trying to get that mucilage separated from all of the little herb. So, um, but yeah. For me, there's no comparison as far as mucilage properties and the amount of mucilage in Slippery Elm versus Marshmallow Root. I just don't see a, a whole lot of, of mucilage in the Marshmallow Root when I make it. Slippery Elm, instant mucilage, instant thickness, instant everything. So yeah, if I know that that, that wasn't a question, but if you are um trying to figure out which one to go with which one provides the most mucilage for me i would recommend the slippery elm bark if you're looking for something that is you know has a little amount of mucilage and is well known to strengthen hair and everything then you can go with a marshmallow root both are good try both of them out so you can see for yourself what you like best to work with and what works best on your hair Another question I got from the Curly Tea community concerned um, the differences between xanthan gum and guar gum. Now, let me say this. As with anything, you have to experiment and see how it feels to you, okay? If at all possible. Xanthan gum gives this sort of slimy, sticky stringy type of of slip okay guar gum gives this super super i mean just falling all over yourself on ice skates type of slip to anything but i have noticed that guar gum leaves flakes it leaves a little bit of flaking like i'll make a guar gum mix just guar gum and water just to see what you know what strength i wanted at and i'll just put some on my hand and let it dry and in almost every case where it's just the guar gum and the water it's flaked up a little bit it's left a little flakes so I would never recommend just using just regular guar gum and water. Always use some type of um, some type of oil to balance it out, or just use a teeny tiny amount of guar gum, or use it in pinches so that it won't leave flakes in your hair. With xanthan gum, I haven't had any. I haven't noticed. I put it like this: as many times as I've used xanthan gum to add slip to my DIY mixes, I haven't noticed. A whole lot of flaking certainly not in comparison to the way guar gum seems to flake up or the version of guar gum I, that i have seems to flake up but i mean i haven't used xanthan gum in a high enough percentage really to see whether or not it leaves a bunch of flakes like i typically use a very small amount of xanthan gum so i haven't done these extensive tests 
to see which one is which one will leave flakes definitely and which one won't or which percentage of xanthan gum you have to use before it leaves flakes versus which percentage of guar gum you have to use before it leaves flakes you know what i mean but i do notice i am telling you and i don't know why the particular guar gum that i purchased from soap goods it leaves flakes almost no matter what percentage of guar gum i put into the water guar gum mix now this again there are things in the final diy recipe that completely mitigates the the flakage if you will um the oils stop that seemingly the oils that you put in your recipe seems to stop the formation of flakes okay so that's why you'll still see me using guar gum in the recipe but i will never use it by itself like i wouldn't use i wouldn't make a detangler with just guar gum and water or or some type of tea and water and guar gum I, i'll never do that because it'll be flake city based on the type of guar gum that i have and i'm talking about regular guar gum i'm not talking about any type of modified guar gum i just have the regular guar gum but oddly enough if i have a recipe and that recipe has like what 15 20 percent oils and i wanted to add any type of slip that would be completely noticeable to that mixture i would start with guar gum because you can feel you can feel how slippery the guar gum is and you can feel the mixture the diy mix having that type of slip it's more noticeable to me so there is no one thing that i would recommend obviously in every single case but if you were starting with a recipe and you wanted to add slip in it and you were sure that it was not an oil-free mix or a mix without some type of oil to mitigate that i would definitely start with guar gum see how you like it see if it's meeting your needs see if it's leaving flakes and then i would test out the xanthan gum to see if you like that better to see if it um doesn't leave flakes to see if if you just like that that stringy type of of um application as far as the hair part care products for your hair whichever one you use honey do not n-o-t-t-t-t-t <laughs> do not use guar gum or xanthan gum the way you would use a regular powdered ingredient start with very tiny very small amounts start with a pinch if you have to one pinch two pinch three pinches to see and then see how you like the way that feels because i'm telling you i learned this the hard way it only takes a very small amount of both of those ingredients to do what they need to do and what you want them to do in a diy mix it only takes a small amount so start with a small amount trust me you can always add more but if you add it too much you will have to start all over again so anyway thank you guys for listening i did not want to make this too long i just wanted to come in and give you guys a little taste of what some of your fellow members and your fellow visitors were asking um about diy mixes and at the curly t website 
Don't forget to check out CurlyT.com. If you are not listening there right now, check out CurlyT.com for all of the recipes for your hair, a couple of for your skin. That includes all types of things like leave-ins, regular washout conditioners, gels, a few Castile shampoos, sprays to keep your hair moisturized, whipped butters, and other moisturizers. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. Get more information by visiting curlyt.com.